to the gypsy to get my fortune told. Fortune telling and me. My mother was a really good belief reader. She had a dramatic turn to her voice, having had some theater experience. Mother seemed to really believe what she was seeing in those little drowned tea leaves. There's a house. I see someone going in. Oh, there's a tree over the house. It casts a dark shadow. And on it went. We looked forward to these thrilling sessions, which she didn't do too often. Fortune-telling to me at that time was fun. Now, this may have influenced my own involvement in astrology, which I studied rather carefully. I was not good at math, and astrology is, if nothing else, mathematical. I did, however, manage to get the rudiments down, and I started reading charts for people, not just their personalities, which were always interesting, but past, present, and future. I was just a teenager at the time. It was a sport to me. A novelty, something to bring attention to myself and give me a sense of importance. There was a lady who lived in the Veterans Land Act subdivision just down the way. She had two adopted children, boys, and they were what was known then as difficult cases. The older boy was quite unmanageable. He would throw his books away on the way home from school. He would walk in muddy puddles and then march around the dining room table, grinding the mud into the rug. He seemed to be daring his adopted parents to hit him, as if he wanted to be hit, to affirm something. He must have had the experience that everyone did hit him eventually. Perhaps he wondered why these people weren't punishing him too. For whatever reason, he absolutely had to test them in many, many ways. He'd run off, and they'd find him sleeping on the side of a ditch, a dry ditch, and the list went on. And Her husband had a heart condition. They didn't want to send the boy back, and she was desperate, quite literally desperate to know, and asked a teenage girl who did horoscopes what his future would be. Reluctantly... I cast the horoscope, and virtually everything in it was in the house of prisons and institutions. The boy would be institutionalized his whole life. I know now that many convicts, for instance, have subtle brain injuries that come from being beaten about the head as children. This may have been part of his problem. Then I only knew that I could not give this young mother such bad news. She would ask me again and again, and I kept avoiding her. Whether you believe or don't believe in astrology is not the point. It just came out that way, and I could not tell her. So I gave up astrology for a while. I didn't need that karma dogging me. I didn't think too much about fortune-telling again until I moved to New York City in 1959. I started doing fortunes again because my best friend, A.H., was an apprentice astrologer. He later became a professional. A.H. Arthur Henry Blackwell was fascinated by these movements of the planets. He developed his own system, which he stuck by quite closely, and it worked for him. My own astrological efforts used to annoy him because 
he was, I guess you could say, a scientific astrologer. It was all by the numbers and very carefully plotted. I, on the other hand, was an intuitive astrologer. I used a chart like a crystal ball, a sort of starting place where all things could happen. A.H. and I used to have a game where one or the other of us would present a chart of someone known to both of us, and the other would have to guess which acquaintance it was. A lot of the time I could beat him, because it was an area where intuitive astrology worked well. We would sit with friends over espresso coffee at our favorite East Village coffee house, Le Dumego, and talk shop about astrology into the wee hours, to the bemusement of the proprietor who was not mystically inclined. Coffee houses were very popular in the sixties, but not on the Lower East Side. Le Dumego was the only one of its kind in the area. A.H.'s father, Russell Blackwell, was a member of my anarchist group and had been in the Spanish Civil War. Their ancestors, A.H.'s and Russell's, had come over on the Mayflower, so they were gentry of a sort, though by no means well-to-do. I learned the hard way that when you tell someone's fortune, they give you all kinds of clues as to what they want to hear. Involuntary movements, intakes of breath, facial expressions, words. Eventually, I would only do a reading if the subject promised not to speak, and I would do the reading with my back turned to them, so as not to pick up on their freely given clues as to what they wanted to hear. This is something to think about in case you're having your fortune read. Don't prompt the person telling your fortune. I began studying occultism at the time as background for a book I was writing called Murder by Magic, which was a really dreadful first novel. Never mind. I learned many things, and one of them was the importance of fortune-telling in occultism. I moved back to Toronto, had some hard times, then I settled in, got a decent job, and had some leisure time. Mutter bardy door when I have leisure time. I joined the OTO, which was an occult order, was initiated to a small degree, and learned that these people and this particular philosophy of magic placed great emphasis on fortune-telling of various kinds. There was something called gematria, which was derived from Jewish mysticism and involved finding hidden meanings in the numerical value of words. These folks would sometimes change their names so the gematria would come out more favorably. My name was, fortunately, already sort of okay, so I didn't have to do that. The lodge master was an astrologer with some good creds. Other members read Perot. I did Perot for a while. Tarot readings are sort of about the future, but they are more like a weather report for the soul. That phrase is a steal from Truman Capote. In New York City, he came on TV to give a weather report to plug a play of his. He was there in addition to the weatherman that night, and what he gave was a weather report for the soul. And this phrase always stuck in my mind. The New York TV station personnel, by the way, didn't get it. When push comes to shove, however, that is what fortune-telling is all about. It's not so much about what's going to happen in the future because, oh my golly, that is such a collection of variables. It's more about the state of where you are right now, 
where certain strong inclination lines indicated. Paracelsus, one of the world's greatest astrologers, said, The stars incline, they do not compel, meaning the element of free will is not eliminated. Astrology, fortune-telling, gives you a mirror to look at yourself. Perhaps it's a funhouse mirror, but a mirror nonetheless. There you can see yourself in a different way, from a different angle. It makes you think about yourself, and about where you're at, about the state of your soul, your body, your mind. When you're doing tarot, astrology, or whatever, all three of these, body, mind, and spirit, come together. There's no split up between practitioners of disciplines, such as medical doctors, psychologists, priests. It's all combined, as it should be. This holistic approach and the new point of view you get are probably the most important things about reading cards, the runes, or the stars. This is Sonia Brock, podcasting from Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I can be reached on the web at soniabrock.com, S-O-N-I-A-B-R-O-C-K dot com.